0: In this special edition of We Love Gymnastics, we speak to the husband of Fame Gymnast, the first African-American gymnast to win a USA National All-Around title, Tom Drehozo, husband of Diane Durham. We speak about her life, we speak about her gymnastics career, And we speak about her accomplishments in and outside of this sport. Thank you for tuning in to this very, very, very special episode of We Love Gymnastics. Hosted by Michaela and Addicts. And welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special edition of the podcast. Um, This is an episode that I... Personally, Michaela has been working on since the beginning of this year. This has been a personal issue of mine. Everybody should have at least one issue that they, one cause that they really, 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 really really care for, they stand for, and that they waited for. And, you know, for whatever reason, the Lord has made this my issue this year. So, I'm here for it. And with all that being said, with all that has happened this year in the gymnastics community, um, in February, we learned of the passing of the one and the only, the legendary, the icon of this sport, Diane Durham. And we began a campaign to try to get USA Gymnastics to get this young lady entered into the National Hall of Fame, which she was not. And through the help and the support of the entire Gymnastics community, we actually, as a community, got something accomplished.
1: When we band together, I mean, things just happen. You know, the gender is so powerful that they can make things happen if we just work together. You know, Millerism. But should we introduce
0: him? Yes? Absolutely.
1: Without further ado, our guest tonight is Tom Hozal. Let me, oh, enable it. Oh, where's the And Yeah, he's done. Hi, Tom. Hello. Hello.
0: Hi,
2: how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing fine. I wish it was a little bit warmer here in Chicago, but it is November. No, so. oh. <laughs> I can only uh, really imagine.
1: No, it's cold in Texas, so I can only imagine how cold it is in Chicago. Oh
2: yeah, it's you know, it's 42 right now, so it's getting there. Well, it's, it's okay for November, but you know, the older you get, the less you like that weather. So. <laughs> no, I understand absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So Tom, take us back from the very beginning. What is your First memory
2: of gymnastics as a whole. As a whole, I mean, I remember I was probably like a lot of people. I remember watching the Olympics as a kid, you know, and um, probably like Nadia Comaneci, Olga Korbut. That that was like when I first remembered really watching gymnastics, and it was not something you know, like you know, it would be probably every four years I would watch gymnastics when the Olympics would come on. So that was that was my initial contact with the sport. Okay.
1: So then what was your first memory of Diane's gymnastics?
2: Well, my first memory of Diane's gymnastics was after I met her actually. Oh really? Um, Yeah. I did not know about Diane's gymnastics um, background until we dated for a while. I knew she was coaching. Um, Mm -hmm. The best part of it was, um, so this was, you know, pre cell phones, pre laptops, all these things. So Diane and I started dating for a little while and, she had told me when we were out that weekend she goes well this next weekend i'm not going to be able to see you because i have to be in a gymnastic show and i kind of looked at her and like, must have like and she goes well she goes do you know who bart connor is and i told her of course i said you because know, i went to school in oklahoma for two years okay i knew who bart connor and that was like 1979 to 1981 well bart connor was you know that was when he was near his at the height of his career during that time period. And I said, you know, in Oklahoma, at that point, there was only, in Oklahoma is a football state. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. it. Right? Um, Bart Connor care. was the biggest Billy Sims at that point. You know, and So and I told her, I said, of course I know who Bart Connor is. And then she said, well, it's his show I'm going to be in. And I must have kind of had like some kind of blank look on my face. And then she told me, <laughs> well, do you know who Bella Caroli and Mary Lou Retin are? And it's like, well, oh, of course. And she goes, well, Bella was my coach and Mary Lou was my teammate. And so the next thing I'm just kind of, and then she did say, she goes, you know, I, I was the former national champion of this country. Well, and she's telling me all this stuff and I was, you know, and then, you know, like I said, no, no cell phones, no Google, no nothing. So I had to wait until Monday when I went to school the next day. And when I had a free period, I looked her up on the computer and I was just kind of like, wow. And oh, wow. And to Diane, that was like, she said, you know, at that point, she would tell me later on, she goes, that gave you huge, huge points with me because you like me for me, not because of who I was. I was Diane Durham, not Diane Durham, the gymnast. So. That's so
3: sweet.
1: So how did you guys meet? Like, if you didn't,
2: well, guys, think about, it was, yeah. Yeah, Diane moved back here in 1992. Um, she had... Done professional dance shows for a little bit. She had kind of stopped coaching gymnastics to do professional dance shows, and she had auditioned and performed in a lot of different shows. She'd been in Germany for different show, shows, in the U.S., um, <clears> then <throat> shows in Japan, and then she was in the closing ceremonies in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge story on an audition. If you ever want to go into that, we could, you know, we could talk about that audition, but. Oh, yeah. Um, Flying back from there. And at that point, she said she had just gotten tired of the dance life at that point. So the auditioning, you know, the travel and she was looking for something to settle down with. And so she was going to go back and coach gymnastics again. And to her, she took a job in Chicago and she was living with her dad when she first got back here in Gary for a little bit. And it just so happened, we were out. She was out one night in Chicago. I was out one night in Chicago, and we just met and started talking. And then the next thing we started to date each other. And then, you know, six months after we first met, we got engaged actually. Aww. And then about a year and a half after that, we got
1: married. Because, see, like back then, you had to make an effort to see somebody. You had to actually, yeah. like, show yeah. up at their house and, like, do all sorts of, like, acts of kindness. Like, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's so. Fascinating,
2: yeah.
1: I have you a follow-up
2: question. It was like about this time. Actually, we met about this time in the fall of ninety-two, and then by May of ninety-three, we we're engaged, and then we got married August of ninety-four.
1: I was a year old in ninety-two. Now, oh wow! I love
0: that. <laughs> I love that. He always got to hit you with that, Tom. He always got to try to <laughs> make you feel old. I'm yeah,
1: not. <laughs> They had to say like make make him feel oh it's just, like that's so fascinating to me like of course there was like a, a whole universe before like I came along but just like you know
2: yes
0: there was that's for sure. <laughs> Go ahead, so when you so when you found out that she was a gymnast what was that like because at that time there was this um ideal of what a gymnast was supposed to be like really young really naive so was she like that level like was she still like a little bit juvenile to the sport was she still like a young bubbly little girl at the time or the time that you meet that you met her was she already into her grown woman phase in her life
2: well she was 24 years old already when i met her so okay. she was she was coaching obviously at the point and then she was still doing professional shows um, she was she did professional shows primarily with Bart Connor and Paul Zert all the way up until around 2001 or two is when she finally stopped doing uh, professional shows. So it was like she went on tour in '96 after the Olympics with uh, mm-hmm. Bart and Bart and Nadia and and then she did some of the uh, the Sudafed ice skating and gymnastic shows and then a lot of one-off type shows like you know there was um, Superstars of Gymnastics I mean a bunch mm-hmm. of different that she had done so she performed in a lot of different shows and so by that point obviously she was you know settled down she it was you know had a job regularly as a full-time job so primarily for her the shows were kind of a weekend thing unless it was a big olympic tour and then on the olympic tours were primarily done like the shows would be a lot of the times they'd be on the weekends so she would be home for three or four days during the week and then fly out either thursday or friday and then, depending on where the show was, she'd either come back Sunday or Sunday night or Monday morning type thing. So when,
3: was,
2: when did you really actually realize like the impact she had on
1: other people? Like,
2: well, you noticed that when we went to like um, I went to some of her I'd go to her meets with her kids when they were pre- when competing, mm-hmm. and and then so you'd see that because people would come up and ask her for her autograph afterwards. So then you kind of realize that she you know that she was even though she had been retired for eight years at the time for competitive or seven from competitive gymnastics mm-hmm. uh, that people still knew who she was and they knew the impact she had because you know, they would want to ask her for an autograph or to take a picture with her. Um, and then when I went to like national Congress with her or USA championships, I mean, yes. I mean, you knew who, I mean, people knew who she was, especially in the gymnastics community. Uh, I mean, we couldn't enter, like, where the venue was for our championships and go to our seats. I mean, we'd be stopped, you know, dozens of times people <laughs> would stop and ask, her, you know, for autograph, a picture, mm-hmm. or just to say hi, all those kind of things. So that was not, you know, that was pretty common. Uh, the first time she actually started taking me with her to, like, those events, it kind of got interesting because, um, you know, cause they, at first they thought I was a bodyguard.
3: Um, <laughs> you know, and then
0: time then... did you freeze
1: what happened I think you froze
0: I think mm-hmm. you froze
1: oh, oh there, he is. there he is we're back there he is
2: okay you're yeah back. <laughs> you're back you're back you're back you're <laughs> back you know initially they thought it was like for bodyguard um, or you know, the first time I went to Bella's gym, Diane, they thought I was her bodyguard. So the kids in the corner were like, "That's her bodyguard over there." And I was like, "Oh, geez." <laughs> um, or then when I when we go to like the jail meets around here, people thought I was like, you know, they, they like, "Oh, Diane Durham must have brought in some European bar coach because I'm six foot now. <laughs> I coach basketball, big gymnastics. That, that would definitely no. That's a very complicated, uh, difficult
0: sport to coach or and participate. <laughs> in. Yes.
2: Now, was it intimidating? So,
0: oh, my bad. No, that was my next question. That was good. It, like, was like for a guy, right? So I'm assuming, like, you going into these situations, you're gonna like, okay, I'm just going to watch my girlfriend do this gymnastics mm-hmm. thing. Like, I'm pretty sure you didn't think it was she was like this big celebrity in our culture as she is. Like, what was that like for you when you, not just her impact, but her truly her fame, how, how much she was beloved in our community. What was that like for you?
2: I mean, I think with her, she kind of really downplayed it. It was not a big okay. deal to her. And so so it would be always, and she just would um, always like, you know, I've been retired for so long. Why do they how do they know who I am? But I will say it's a sport where people really take the time, the young gymnast, they take the time to appreciate the people that came before them. Um, You know, me coaching basketball, I can sit there and say, you know, I live in Chicago. So yes, kids do know Michael Jordan because of Chicago. (laughs) But, you know, we'd even say like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, people don't know who, you know, they don't know who he is in the younger generation. Most of them don't. You know and and then diane the other thing i would always tell her is like she you know this was like we were in indianapolis oh this is probably like seven or eight years ago and people were asking for her autograph and she couldn't understand why they were doing that and i tell her it's I said but you, you have to realize because it's their parents were off on the side and i'd say those parents are the ones that are telling those kids who you are because that's who you they remember watching you when mm-hmm. you were a kid. so And then she did, she's like, you know what? That does make perfect sense. That's why, that's why people are still, but it's also the back history of young gymnasts really know, you know, people from, you know, that competing before they were even alive, which is, that's a, that's a credit to the sport that they know the people that laid the foundation for Simone Biles, for example. It's
1: so, it's so true. And it's, it's. I, I like that a lot because like these kids like really do too. take the time out of their day to learn the history. Learn about like, you know, why they're called the Refova or why it's called, you know, this or, or the third.
3: Like
1: mm-hmm. And it's just it is. Now that you've said that, I am starting to think back, I'm like, yeah, it's like we really do like appreciate the history. Yeah. But outside of gymnastics, what was your first memory of Diane?
2: My first memory was like, well, we started, like when we met, it was just, you know, she, for me, the biggest thing was she always found something positive out of even the worst situation, which, you know, that helped get her through the situation that happened in 1984, for sure. Um, And then also it was just like, she loved life in general and she was somebody, you know, everybody always talked about her laugh. They said, you know, she had the, the most recognizable laugh around. So But it was, you know, like she she always found something positive in something. So that's my biggest memory of her. And then also, you know, her love of life. Those were things that really, you know, attracted me. And I, I,
0: you know, she really appealed to me about her too,
2: as an individual.
0: That's so. So let's go back in history. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to I know, like you weren't there. But from what anything that you may know, any insight that you have, let's go back to her, her first competitive, like her first successful elite competitive season, which was 1983, when she finally was able to accomplish the goal of winning the national championship and how that was such a huge, huge thing at the time, her being the first African-American gymnast to win that title. Mm-hmm. Her being the dug-it girl of the moment, her being the leader of the nation of USA gymnastics in 1983. Let's what what insights can you give us from that time in her life?
2: Well, actually, you know, do you look at Diane, you know, her, she started gymnastics when she was three years old. Okay. And the first gym she started at was Wanda's in Gary, Indiana, and then Wanda moved to Maryville. I mean, so I know we're going way back, but this kind of leads the foundation (laughs) up to what you're asking. Yes. You know, and then Diane was competing with Wanda, and she was progressing and doing very well. Um, Her sister was in gymnastics with her, and then her sister, you know, like when her sister told me, she goes, she liked gymnastics. Diane loved
3: gymnastics,
2: and so her sister also kind of outgrew gymnastics because she she was taller than Diane. She's like I think five Mm -hmm. seven, five eight. Um, So gymnastics, you know, she got up to a, a, you know, it was classes instead of levels back then. Um, But Diane's coach, Wanda, told her that she went to Diane's parents and said, you know, your daughter has Olympic potential, but I can't coach that. So if Hmm. you want to reach her potential, she needs to go to somebody else's gym. And so Diane and her parents talked, and then that's when she went and trained with Bill Sands. And, you know, that's where you have to go back to, Diane always said, Wanda and Gary, then later Maryville, gave her all the basics, not, she taught her all her basic skills and gave her her background. So she always gave Wanda the big, you know, Bella perfected it, obviously, but you know she always said it was Wanda was the one who gave her the love of the sport and then, you know, fed that love of her sport and then got her to the point where she had the courage as a coach to say, I can't coach this kind of talent. You need to go somewhere else if you wanna yeah. be the, 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 the gymnast you wanna be. So she went to Bill Sands. Um, she was trying to become an elite and she actually had a non-gymnastics injury. She um, broke her hand um, you know, at school. And so mm-hmm. she ended up not being able to go to nationals that year. Okay. So what ends up happening is Diane, she has a mind of her own, she always did, but um, she felt it wasn't fair that Bill Sands wouldn't let her go elite the next year. His rules were you had to compete at the like will be level ten today. You would had to compete okay. at the top level of nationals to be able to go elite. And she's like, well, you know, I was going to, but I couldn't because I was hurt. And he was like, well, that's my rules. So she quit. Mm. Wow. She temporarily she quit the sport for a few months. Um, and her mom ended up a few months later. There was I think it was a Kurt Thomas show was in the Chicago area. And her mom took Diane to go watch it. And there was a man by the name of Tony Ladner ap- approached Diane and Tony Ladner came up and told her, he said, you know, you are such a great gymnast. You know, I really, it's a shame you're no longer doing the sport. If you were to come back, I would coach you and you could win a national championship. Mm-hmm. And Diane decided to go work, uh, train out at Tumbling On Gymnastics. Um, and Tony Ladner was her coach. And she won the Junior All-Around Championship in 1981. Okay. Then in 1982, after that, you know, after the Junior National Championship, then um, parents made a decision to send for her to go to train with Bella in Texas. And so she did that. And then she won the 82 Junior All-Around Championship with Bella in uh, Mm -hmm. Houston. Then she became a senior in 83. So that's kind of what the background that got her to that level. Um, Diane, as far as winning that meet to her, she said, you know, she was, her goal was to be the best in this country and the, you know, and be in the Olympics was her goal. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: people came up and told her the significance of what she did in 1983 by being the first black gymnast to win an all around championship. That didn't really, she was kind of like, I didn't understand why they were saying that was such a big deal because my goal was to be the best, but then people explained to her you know, well, you were the best, but you were also the first black athlete to do that. She said, then that's where it kind of like hit her like, wow, you know, so I've really done something, you know,
3: Hmm.
2: not by only being the best in this country, but I'm also the first black woman to have done that as well. So it kind of just went with her. That wasn't why she started out. She, She loved the sport and she wanted to be the best she could be, which would be, you know, national champion in this country, but also an Olympic caliber athlete too that's insane i mean and it's
1: it's so incredible to be the first to do anything and so for her like yeah. to have been the first african american woman to do that That just i mean if we're not even like think about it that way like that shows so much about her character like, and like in her just humility and that that wow and that so, 83
2: championship the it was held in chicago over at uh, university of illinois chicago so for her it was kind of a homecoming meet cuz she'd been training in texas for a couple of years and <laughs> And she told me like Bella even let her stay at her parents' house, which you know, for Bella that was uh, it's a lot. A lot. Um, <laughs> but, the other thing too was that floor routine for that. Um, Bella actually, you know, he always had Gaze of Posar do his routines for him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Diane was um she preferred she asked Bella if Wanda could do the routine. Um, her original coach. So and Bella actually agreed, he flew Wanda down to Texas to do Diane's floor routine for that. And that's mm that's the routine she used it to win 83 championships um wow. 83 pre-olympic games that she used that meet all the way through you know to olympic trials that was a floor routine from her original coach and but her church in gary for that meet in chicago actually sent i think it was two or three busloads of people to the meet if you watch it on youtube yes yes you, the meet you see the
0: the whole crowd the, go up and everybody of, have the signs we the love church. diane yes yep.
1: So, okay, 84, walk us through
0: what Wait, happened. wait, wait, before we get to 84, oh, we I, still, a, oh, yeah, oh, yes, before that. we get to 84, we, yes. So she wins national championships, right? Yeah. She goes to world trial. What happened to keep her off of the 1983 world championship team? Because that's an important part to why she was left off then again in 1984
2: yeah um her and Mary Lou both were injured in okay. three so after when they went to um, worlds for the training camp and so yeah, Diane would have been on the team obviously yeah but um, you know, they, her and Mary Lou were both injured and Bella did not want to risk the injuries with them so he opted not to have them compete in that meet to further injure them because Bella's mind was to you know save them for the Olympics it was the big thing too. To make sure they were healthy for that.
0: But did Diane want to do the nineteen eighty-three Worlds? Was that something that was part of her goal set leading oh, up yeah. into her yeah. okay. minus the injury, yes.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah. She mm-hmm. said, you know, that was her and you know, and she told me numerous times, you know,
0: she was injured and she couldn't compete in worlds. So there's okay. There's Jim Lore Jim Lore, right? That Diane wasn't as hurt as Bella made it seem, um, that for whatever reason that he was mad at USA Gymnastics because they wouldn't allow him to be the head coach of that team. So then he made the decision to take his two best gymnasts off of that team, which was Diane and Mary Lou. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any kind of insight to that, Jim Laura, or is that just pure gossip and she really was injured and that just is the truth of the situation?
2: Well, from what she's told me, obviously I wasn't—you know—I didn't know Diane in 1983. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> what she told me um, was that she was injured,
0: so she. Said, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: So now are we in? in yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, walk us through '84. Okay, '84. You
0: know.
1: for Olympic trials, you mean. Yeah, like just, just this was that whole team.
0: season because Diane was on fire that whole she season. Was. Diane was still the best, in my opinion, the best girl on Team USA that whole year up until trials when she re injured herself.
3: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so 84. Yeah, she had a big meet in 84 USA versus China meet mm-hmm. uh, that was held in Hawaii. Um, And she did like, you know, she won that meet um, and she won some events. I think she, she won four. She had a 10 on four exercise, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then when we had her celebration of life recently, Mike Jackie was at it and and he said, I think he said.
1: Tommy froze.
0: He's coming back again. It happens when you start doing this people all of a sudden start calling you in the middle of doing this right like, it always happens around competition she had another 10 as well for sure
2: so she did well uh, and even if you listen to the commentary at me they say you know
1: oh oh okay there he is, there he is, there he is. sorry oh. tommy just you dropped out
2: no it's fine Okay. No, they said that um, in 84, you know, at that meet, definitely if you listen to the commentary, but they, they will make the comment, you know, like she is somebody that will, that, you know, if she's on that Olympic team, she will win medals. She herself, mm-hmm. So that was happening. Um, she had left Caroli's gym briefly in 84. Um, she had a little philosophical difference with them, but she came back after championships and then she was focused getting ready for the Olympic Games. Um, in Olympic trials. So uh, Diane, back in that era, you did compulsories the first night and then you did optional routines the second night. Diane was always a much stronger optional gymnast. And so she was in a position to be in the top six, which would have put her, you know, in a lock to at least be invited to the Olympic training camp. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening as far as like Bella's book and listening, Bella wrote his book about, you know, Diane had moved up you know, as the optionals had started and Diana told me the same thing as well. Um, so her next to last event was vault, mm-hmm. and she, um, landed short on her vault, and she injured her ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, she still scored a, you know, a, a decent score for her. Um, and that left her with bars to go. Um, now she, the story that Diana has told me many times is that she was being told by numerous people on the floor. Don't risk further injury. Um, mm-hmm. You've done so much for this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, your spot will be guaranteed. You know, you've done enough. You will be in the training camp. Mm-hmm. Well, the meet ends. You know, she scratches bars, and then shortly after that, they're saying, "Well, you didn't finish the meet. You can't be on the Olympic team um, or advance to the Olympic training camp." And then, you know, Bella begins a petitioning process at that point. And this is where we talk about Michaela mentioned the worlds because she didn't compete in worlds, she mm-hmm. could not into the Olympic training camp. So, kind of a you know, and there's a lot of factors that probably had a hand in that. I hate to say, but yes, um, with her, I mean, so the, you know, so they obviously she still did gymnastics after '84. Um, she was training, you know, continuing and her agreement with Bella was to do one year at a time because Bella was, you know, what well, you should try for 88 because, you know, Diane would have only been 20 in 1988. Mm. Um, which at that point, you know, was considered ancient for gymnastics. But yes. You see today was Simone was 24. In the mm-hmm. last so, um, so Diane did continue to train and work out. And then right before 85 USA Championship, she injured the same ankle again. And then she said, "Bella was." She said, "The story is is running through the gym. You know, get me the ice bucket, give me a bucket of ice water, another." And she said, "All I'm thinking to myself was, you don't have to hurry. I'm done." And mm. so she came in to his gym uh, a couple weeks after that. And the story she told me was that when she walked in the gym, Marta looked at her and said, "This is it, isn't it?" She could tell on her face, and Diane said, "Yeah." And. Mm. So she went and coached with the Corollis after that, actually, for, you know, because she was only 16, 17 years old. So she coached with the Corollis for a couple of years. Um, she was coaching the elites right beneath the top, you know, six or eight, whatever that Bella and Marta would coach. She was coaching the elites that were trying to get to them. And I okay. actually coached Kim Zemeskel with them. She was, um, wow. Yeah. So, so, but go ahead. So,
1: from your Perspective, or from what you know, was there any like how did she describe her relationship with the Carolis? Was it ever like abusive, maybe, or like any, any sort of like, negative, or
2: was it just positive? She, de- you know, definitely not abusive. Um, you know, and to mm-hmm. her, she always said it was, um, she compared it to like going to play basketball for Bobby Knight. Okay. okay. Oh, <laughs> Tommy's
1: still there. There you are. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah. She said to her, she compared it to going to play basketball for Bobby Knight. Like, you know that he's, you know, he's strict, you know, he gets results. And she said, you know, the same thing with Bella. She knew going into it, you know, Bella was going to be, you know, had high expectations, but she said that that's what she wanted to bring the best of her out. So, you know, Bella was, you know, Marta coached obviously as well with Bella, but Bella was the person that you know, was the, the face of the Carolis at the meets and talked to the media. Mm-hmm. And then, so Bella was, you know, you know, they had a, she, you know, to, to the day she passed away, she always had fond memories of Bella and, 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 you know, Marta as well. But Bella was, you know, that was the man that was really, you know, her main coach type thing. And, okay. Because when she went to go train, that yeah, she went to Bella Caroli because she said, you know, he trained the perfect ten. So, mm. Nadia was Diane's idol growing up. So, that was the person that she idolized as a gymnast as a child. So, she says, you know, like, if I want to be the best I can, you know, to be like my idol, Nadia, she goes, you know, then I would go train with his coach. That's awesome. I mean,
1: that is awesome. it's true. I mean, if you want the best, you have to go to the best, right?
0: Yeah. So, let me ask a follow up question before we move on. Okay. Again, Jim Tenet lore from back in the time that, and you know, I guess it's a question on how do she feel about this situation? There again, Jim Tenet lore, Jim Tenet rumors is that USA Gymnastics purposely told them not to allow her to do bars, to leave her off the team purposely because at the time they didn't want a young black girl to be the face of USA gymnastics. They didn't want a young black girl to be on the witty spots. They didn't want, you know, the image of a young black girl being that superstar on the team. And they felt like if Diane was on the team and if she was strong, there was no way that Mary Lou or Julianne could beat her. So did Diane ever felt that side of the sport?
2: Yeah. Now She've always felt there was a couple of things going that played a factor in that. And the, the one thing, like ESPN, did a story on Diane um, on their website in 2020, the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And it, through their research, you know, they found out like if she had just gone on bars, she by not competing that one event to get that, she was only 0.24 points away from being in the top six.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, she told me like if somebody had just told me i needed to go get up there and do a bar she because i could have I done remember
0: the interview
2: release moves you know and and just you know not done a real dismount she goes definitely mm-hmm. obviously i would have scored more than a point 0.24 mm-hmm. so she said you know to her they, she and they said all they had to tell me was you need that's all you need to do i would have done it. and you know the one thing that we found through somebody gave us a gift um years ago it was a record album called official music of the 1984 olympics and it's got the olympic logo on the on the front of it it's a big lp the old you know wax see they not not the cassettes and eight tracks that you grew up at the um, <laughs> but um but as far as the different things with that in the album when you open it up it had you know the los angeles coliseum well you turn to the back of the album it's diane's on the back of that album She's the leotard uh, and you know. One of the things, like Paul Zirk told me, who's you know a god, a godfather of the gymnastics world. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Zert told me he goes, well, obviously he goes. That goes to show they were expecting her to be on the Olympic team.
3: Yeah, it's because yeah. you know
2: that record went. to they they printed that record way before oh, yeah. the Olympics. So he said he was. So their play, expectation was she was going to be on that team because he goes, why else would they put her on the back of that album?
3: But, mm-hmm. right. you know,
2: as things went on with her, I mean, she—you she had mentioned she wondered, you know, she did. She had said at times, you know, me, the world wasn't ready for a black girl to be from Gary, Indiana, to be on the Wheaties box. She, she has told me that before. Um, mm. She also felt that there was a little backlash against Carolis, uh, against Bella. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, Dom Peters, you know, who has a very tainted history with the sport, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Don Peters was the Olympic coach in 84.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, if Diane was on that Olympic team, Bella would have had half the Olympic gymnast on that team. He'd have had, he would have had That's true. Dad, uh, Mary Lou and Diane. And mm-hmm. so by Diane not being on that Olympic team. then Don Peters
0: the, got to be the head coach.
2: Don Peters was the head coach. He had four of the Olympic gymnasts on his team. And then the other two were Carolies. So, and she, you know, and then there was a backlash about, you know, that the, the Corollies were seen as outsiders coming in, you know, to this country cause they were fairly new you know, the immigrating here and that they, some of the American coaches resented the feeling like, well, they're taking, you know, they're stealing all the glory from us. We're, you know, but mm-hmm. they produced obviously too. So, so she felt it was kind of a, there was more than one factor that played into 84 in her mind.
0: It was a perfect storm and that's the best way to describe it. And she was the easiest target. I guess that's how yeah, oh that's so sad. That's that's <laughs> I'm so sorry, that's so sad. I'm so sorry. That's I mean, just Carole,
2: like you know, the Corolis did say too like they you know, they had come from a communist country background where, you know, Bella was the man in Romania at the time. So, like, he could get anybody he wanted on the team. So, Mm you know, I think he didn't completely – and I think he's admitted he didn't completely understand the whole petitioning process or all those kind of – as well as he would later on after he'd been Mm -hmm. in this company for several years. So, I mean, I think there was a lot. Like you said, it's a perfect storm is the best way to describe it. It wasn't any one thing, I think, that kept her off the Olympic teams. I think it was kind of a string of dominoes set
1: up. It's just that's so unfortunate too. like what could have been. And now I feel like that would always that would always haunt me if I had been like in a situation like it would always just be like, I had she just in a bar routine. She's just done it.
2: Well, especially, you know, that's one of the things, you know, well, first of all, I think the team would have won a gold medal. I mean, let's just be you know with with her on the team. They they got a silver without her. They probably would have won a gold with her on the team, Um, you know, and like Kelly Garrison sent me a letter that she wasn't able to attend Diane's celebration of life and she asked it to be read. And that's one of the things she said is, you know, how Diane persevered as at that point, somebody who was 16 years old and everything you've spent your whole life working for was taken away because, you know, no fault of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, She said, you know, how she was able to find some, you know, the positive part of that and to go on and live the rest of her life, you know, despite losing what was the ultimate thing you were working for as a, a child and young adult. And she said that that was always something with Diane. Hughes. And she just, her positivity, despite what happened to her, she said that was one of the things she always remi- admired about Diane.
1: It seems like a, a constantly repeating narrative that the people in charge always seem to fail the athletes that, ba- that basically pay their bills. How did yeah. you feel towards that? Like,
2: well, it's, it's sad that. i mean that's the thing is i mean larry nassar and all that so it's it's horrific it's horrible but you know that's the thing is obviously you know you go back there's
0: things that were happening you know back then. back then too especially you know, like with don peter's, Tom peters Tom like it's almost like a uh it's almost like this like i'm a, i'm older than Atis. i'm i'm 40. i just turned 40. so i kind of have a, a little bit more of the history of the sport and it's almost like we're We're slow in a repeat cycle right now because all of this stuff that's right now that's going on with Larry Nassar happened with Don Peters like in the late 80s, early 90s. It's almost the exact same thing. And Hmm. USA Gymnastics still hasn't changed or fixed it. No, And I I would hate for in 20 years from now another one that somebody that we look up and revere now be the next one in 20 years.
2: Well, and one of the things that we heard when Diane, the ESPN article came out in 2020, um, a lot of the 84 team members, you know, commented or sent messages to Diane about they felt, you know, it was an injustice what happened to her, you know. And mm. and um, when I would read, you know, because Diane was not a huge social media person uh, herself. And, you know, she would go on there occasionally. But like when that article came out, it really started to get a lot of, um attention and comments and then a lot of the 84 olympic team members or national team members started to comment and like Julianne mcnamara was one of them you know about what an injustice it was done to diane And like diane told me at that point she goes i can't be mad at them she goes you know one they didn't make the decision two if they had spoken out at the time she goes they would have they found a way to keep them off of the team as well yeah
0: correct and it's also their dream, too. Like, if they if, if they spoke up, that's them giving up their spot for her, and that's not also, that's not their responsibility to give up their Olympic dream for somebody else also, even if they felt like it was the right thing to do.
2: Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's just, again,
1: it's a repeating narrative. Like, there was, and only in that situation, but then, like, years after that, you get into like these injustices that were committed to the hall of fame
0: situation. Like like
1: why
2: you know, know, then there's Kim Kelly. There's another one, you know, somebody who made the team and got taken off of it in 92. mm, Yeah.
1: Do you want to set the record straight on what happened with the hall of fame thing?
2: The hall of fame, you know, well, yeah. um, I mean, you had to be out 10 years from when you retired um, to be eligible Mm -hmm. and Diane was nominated numerous times. Um, we were actually at a National Congress one year, and it was Bob Calarasi was the president at the time, and Bob Calarasi, I was standing right there, and I heard him tell me there,
0: he's
1: going to come back.
2: <laughs> um,
0: but he had kind
1: of
2: Got back from the sport there temporarily.
1: Tommy dropped out. We lost all of that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and, and he's gone. Okay. And you're back. Okay, cool. Okay, okay. I'm back. Okay. Okay.
2: So as far as the Hall of Fame goes, I, you,
1: I you, you were standing before. there. Yeah. It's, you, no. It cut off when you said I was standing there and then it cut
2: off. Yeah, we yes. were at a National Congress and Bob Calarasi was the president at the time. And I was standing right there with Diane and he told her, he goes, you're going in the Hall of Fame next year. And so Diane, you know, went home from that and told her dad, because her dad wasn't, you know, Diane wasn't doing gymnastics anymore. He wasn't going to go to meets or anything or events. And she had told him, you know, Dad, you know, you, she said, Daddy is what she called him. She said, you know, you're going to have to come next year to national championships because I'm going to be put in the Hall of Fame. And so he had said, you know, yep, you know, okay, I will do that. Um, and then the Hall of Fame selection came out the next year and she wasn't picked. And you we know, uh-huh. don't why, you know, and so that continued, you know, once you're nominated, you're always considered and people would still nominate her anyway, every year. So it just, and she just never got in. And then the only thing that had the feedback that had gotten back to us was that some of the selection committee members at the in different, you know, different times always felt, well, you know, she was never in the Olympics or on a world championship team. So, you know, that's what, that was the reason not to put her in the hall of fame.
0: Oh, that's um, that's because I, I I can think of other gymnasts who are in the Hall of Fame that were never on an Olympic or a world team, but they made the Hall of Fame because they were the first to do something.
2: Right. Well, and then you know, prior to her, not prior to her election to the Hall of Fame, she was only one of
0: three from
2: the, the modern era they call it. Um, oh my god! Yeah, lie. <laughs>
0: him he's frozen again he's gonna come back
1: <laughs> there's like these three flies in my room thank you klaus and they just keep on like <laughs> flying around it's like can you please just die Ooh. okay there he is again yeah Lost you again, Tom. I
0: know. It's all good. It's, all, it's all good. It's
1: all good. Yeah. But,
2: um, that's fine. But um, so she said, you know, at the point she got into the Hall of Fame, she was one of three all-around champions that had not been put in the Hall of Fame yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole Olympic World Championship team, and you know, somebody I'm not going to, you know, won't, but had went to the, they knew somebody on the selection committee, and they gave them that feedback, and they said, yeah, but you have to also take into account. The fact that she wasn't on the olympic team or on a world championship team was no fault of her own Mm -hmm. that's true so uh, yes and after diane did pass away in february there was a huge michaela you know it started it members of the you know former national team members and other people in gymnastics they really put a push on and diane Mm -hmm. elected to the hall of fame you know which was the i'm happy they put her in the hall of fame yes i mean it's very happy you know that she finally got you know somewhat of the had she was deserved by that the saddest part to me was she was not there to accept her own award and that uh. I, I had to accept that on her behalf um you know diane always said that what would happen is that she kept you know we'd go to national champ congresses and people would say oh hey, diane aren't you in the hall of fame and she's like no and and then people would say well we're going to nominate you next year and you know she'd, you know, she'd be honored she'd say okay yeah, that's nice and then you know she never would get in and she would always tell them they will never put me in the hall of fame when i'm alive and the line and i told this story at the hall of fame reception um uh, the hall of fame when i'm alive and that tom will be so old he's going to need a cane to go up and accept my award for me now when diane was those last few days that diane was still alive that she could still she was alert and could understand what i was saying and i told her i said you know one of the things we talked about was i said diane i guess you're always right they were never going to put you in the hall of fame when you're alive and she nodded her head um and then the, then the, and then i did tell her i said but please be wrong about me needing a cane to accept her award and that was <laughs> time, that was the last time she actually went. and then she oh. said she said yes Yeah. No. she said i'll you know that that would be okay to be wrong about that part of it
0: is there something just, that you... Oh, go ahead. My bad. My bad. No, ahead. I'm just saying with the Hall of Fame thing, it's just so sad because as a fan, I never realized until she passed away, I didn't even realize she was in the Hall of Fame because I'm like, why isn't USA Gymnastics talking about this? Like, why do I as a fan who just saw a post from you on Facebook have to be the one to put this message out there? Why is it like no major organizations talking about this? And it, well, it took about a week before the before it really got out there to the community, and it just really pissed me off because to me, Diane Durham is a legend, an icon. Like she, she, she is U.S. especially for every Black gymnast there. She is USA Gymnastics to me. So for USA Gymnastics to completely like ignore that for a I have a question. I, I don't, never mind, because I didn't, never mind, go ahead, add it. I'm sorry.
2: Well, and one thing I will say is like, you know, then people would always tell me too, like, oh, you know, when you accept her award, you should get up there and bash the Federation. And, you know, I'm not, this is the group that I put her in, so I'm not upset about that. I mean, the injustice of, you know, things that have happened, those people are long gone. Yeah. So, so there's no use to, you know, that would have been, that wasn't the time or place to ever think of doing something like that you know i will say like you know it's a beautiful plaque they gave you for being in the hall of fame and then um you get a medal and a pin and everything and the sad part is you know diane was one not to want to display a lot of her gymnastics um accomplishments in the house because she always said that's a long time ago and you went so like most of her medals are in boxes to be honest Um, Uh. there's only um you know i did get her she did I did get her to agree to let me put up like two. I enlarged a couple of pictures of her um, on a bar dismount and then on receiving a medal. Um, I did put them up in our house. That and then the other only award she has is from when she went to South Africa, and she always Mm. felt that was the one. She said besides USA Championships, that was the one thing that really hit the hardest to her was winning um, the Sandlam Cup in South Africa. That was her first international um, oh my god so with her so and then so the plaque is kind of like you know and i'm just kind of sitting there like i got this hall of fame plaque I, i've not put it up in the house yet myself because it's kind of like it's an empty feeling right now yeah so, oh but the sandland cup that would be you know that was her first international competition they sent her to south africa um, during apartheid and her parents were back and forth about, should she go to that meet or not? Her dad was really reluctant to, because he was worried about the political climate over there. And her mom convinced him that she should go. because He said, you know, if we don't let her go to this meet, they may never send her to another international meet again. That's true. And so they did. Um, and her mom sewed a pocket on the inside of her warm-up jacket and told her, you know, Diane, any time that you leave, put your passport in here and do not leave it, you know, wear that jacket at all times. Mm -hmm. And so she did, they went to South Africa. Um, and when they got back from uh, to the meet, they first, you know, the team got there, obviously it's a long flight and she went two other times to compete in South Africa as well. Um, and when they competed over there, um, it was, They went to a movie one night, well, the man leading, I cannot remember who led that delegation, um, which coach it was, but they went to a movie with the whole team. Well, the team goes into the movie and they're all sitting there, Diane's eating popcorn or whatever, you know, watching a movie. And the next thing, you know, people are throwing popcorn at her and candy and other things. And everybody's like, what's going on here? Segregated movie theater. And, Uh, And they didn't put it together. And so at that point, then the, the whole U.S. team, you know, and Diane said, you know, the whole team got up with being left, you know, so they did. So they got up and walked out. Um, and then she went to the meet um, and she stayed and she said she stayed at, um, the, at a, somebody's home in South Africa. And she said to me, she said, you know, yes, politically, apartheid was horrible. But she said from a, a country of beauty, as far as you know, the physical beauty of the country, she said it was the most beautiful country she ever went to and Mm. um she won the meet and she went remembers the meet vividly was it was segregated seating um black audience on one side white audience on the other side and when they announced she won the meet the black audience stood up and cheered and the white audience initially didn't do anything and then they did stand up and they did applaud and they cheered Um, and then she said to her, that was like one of the biggest things. She goes like, for that just that little bit of time, it was like the hate. You
0: froze again. Oh
1: no.
3: Oh no. He's I know who's about to say
1: something really good too. Who's supposed to say something really poignant? I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I was just like, and then. Oh, no.
3: <sighs>
1: oh, come on, Tom.
0: Come on, Tom.
1: <laughs> come on, Tom. Bring it back. Bring it back. Come back.
0: Yeah, about 10 more minutes with him, you guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for everybody Seriously. on the YouTube, the Twitch, the Facebook. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Please like, share, and comment. Please... Um, Get this, get this story out there. She is American history and it needs to be told. That's
1: That's okay, so Tom, you said, you dropped out when we said uh, that she was scared, right?
2: No, well going, well, she won the meet, did you? Okay, know? yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. She said that the black audience stood up and cheered and the white audience initially didn't. And then they stood up and cheered and applauded her as a winner as well. Um, and then she said that for her, that really was a big thing because for that, just that little bit of time, it was like apartheid stopped, and everybody came to, to acknowledge, you know, we had a black girl from the United States win that meet, and they all stood up and applauded. Now, her mom had these scrapbooks she saved of her career, and that included a letter from the South African delegation that they sent back here, um, commending her for how she, you know, performed at the meet, but also commending, you know, for the way she represented herself as an individual as well. So she always that big meet, and she did go back a couple other times to compete in South Africa as well. And she always said that that, you know, to her that was kind of a thing. And I remember Kelly Garrison always said at the time, you know, they couldn't believe like why are they sending Diane as a black gymnast to South Africa? But she also said that this was the United States' way. She felt of sending a statement that they were protesting apartheid by sending a black athlete to compete over in South Africa. That, made sense. that a, makes sense. That's a beautiful story. And then she won the meet to top it off. So,
1: <laughs> so how do you want her to be remembered? I mean, we talk about like, her legacy and all that, but like you, you haven't known her more than anybody, really. Like, how would you want her to
2: be remembered? Well, I think gymnastically, I think she should be remembered, you know, as a pioneer and a trailblazer for Black and Brown gymnasts. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, when Simone did her tour here on the Gold Tour and they do a tribute to um, legends of the sport. It ended with Diane. Yep. So, and that was powerful um, because they did invite me, I was invited to the Chicago um, stop of the tour. And that was really impressive that they all thought that. So, I mean, a a trailblazer and a pioneer, definitely, um, you know, in the gymnastics world. And also somebody who was a good, you know, she was a champion caliber gymnast, you know, And maybe she didn't meet her, she didn't get her Olympic dream. But like Diane always said, you know, she was happy with what she had done because the opportunities she had, the people she met, and she traveled the world because of the sport. And she asked her, her Olympic dream came up short for whatever reasons. And, but she still got a lot out of that sport. And she said she loved that sport, you know, and from somebody who I coach basketball, you know, and she'd always tell me, she goes, gymnastics is the most beautiful sport in the world. The Hmm. biggest thing Diane always had outside of gymnastics was the Chicago Cubs. That was her big thing. (laughs) Huge Cubs fan. We went and we lived like a couple miles west of Wrigley Field. We went to a ton of Cubs games. And believe me, 2016 was the year of her, uh, the Cubs winning the World Series. That was, yeah. uh, She told me um, before game seven that night, she goes, I was never this nervous. When I competed yeah. in gymnastics, since I was watching Game Seven of the World Series, so. it was a <laughs> nail biter. It was yes, a nail biter. big lead that kind of dwindled away. So yes, it was. Yeah, yeah we went to extra innings. Um, because she was very superstitious about that. So um, she watched the game with me in our living room, and they lost. So she's like, I can't watch another game out here. I'm gonna watch the I'm gonna watch the next games in my bedroom in our bedroom. So. She, <laughs> Game seven, was, you know, those games last forever in the World Series, but then it went to a rain delay. And I'm thinking, God, I can't stay up any longer. Right? So I ended up going back to bed and watching the end of the game with her. And then when the Cubs took the lead, when they in the 10th inning, when they got runners on, she had the covers up over her head. And she couldn't, <laughs> so I had to like tell her, I said, the Cubs just scored a run, you know, that she could put down and look at it. So, but, yeah. <laughs> so. That's so sweet. Oh, her dad was the is the biggest White Sox fan, so oh um, wow. <laughs> uh, they had their rivalries, but when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, um, she got her dad and myself you know championship leather jackets, and at the front, she um she made a deal with her dad. She said, you know, okay, so if the Cubs ever win the World Series, you have to buy me a leather jacket too. And her dad's lying. He goes, oh
3: sure, that'll never and don't worry about it,
2: deal. So, <laughs> got a leather jacket out of him, too. So <laughs> um, I love but it. But as far as, but, you know, asking, um, you know, somebody who just, you know, her positivity and love of life, that's the biggest thing I think out of gymnastics, that's the big thing, too, that I think she should be remembered for, too.
0: So as we're coming down to the top of the hour, I promise you just the hour, and I'm not going to hold you no more of your time. No? Let everybody know about this um, foundation that we're donating a hundred dollars to, okay. and um, let everybody know um, what it's for and the goal of this scholarship.
2: Well, it was started by Paul Zert, um, you know, who was Bart Connor's coach,
0: and then Diane did a lot of
2: um, tours and professional shows with Paul. And then you know it was Bart Connor was the star of those, and then Nadia Comaneci as well. So that was kind of in. And Diane got, got to actually do a lot of gymnastics um, shows with Nadia, who was her childhood idol. So that was kind mm-hmm. of that was that was something she really always was thankful of. Yeah. Um, but so Paul started this as it started as a GoFundMe, and the GoFundMe is actually still open. And okay. He called it the Diane Durham Humanitarian Award. And, you know, initially you put it out there as a the goal of raising $10,000 and then it would be to, you know, recognize somebody in the gymnastics world. It could be a current or former gymnast um, who has overcome, you know, adversity, whether it be through or injuries, um, psychological injuries, wellness, issues, mm. emotional or physical injuries. So and the goal is to, you know, to have an annual award for the Diane Durham Award to recognize somebody like that oh wow um, no like oh, that's kathy beautiful johnson, kathy johnson and a lot of the 84 olympic team they want they want usa gymnastics to have a diane durham award as well for somebody who's like a pioneer in the sport they feel that she's worthy of that too i don't know where that's you know hopefully something will happen i i don't i'm not i don't know anything else this that they want to do this um, but I know that for the one that Paul Zert started, the goal is he set for 10000 He hit 10000 pretty quick. Yeah. And then he put it at 30000 thinking we'll never hit 30000 And it's now over 35000 And so he's going to, he's moving the money into, they're going to be setting up a non-for profit for this. Um, so the money will all get put into that. Um, and then, of course, then that'll open it up for more corporate. Um, opportunities to help back it as well. So the plan, the hope is right now um, that we would name the first winner and present it to them. That we're hoping to do it at the NCAA champion women's championships in um, the Dallas area in April.
1: Okay, we'll be there. I'll be there. Yay. Okay. No, but like we do want to donate a hundred dollars, you know, to y'all because this is. I mean, Michaela loves Diane, and I love oh my God, I do. I, I, I love Diane. So it's the least we can do. You can put it with the rest. It's up thirty five thousand dollars.
2: <laughs> every penny helps whether it's a five dollar contribution uh, you know a thousand it doesn't matter. every dollar counts towards you know and Paul told me at one point when we got to thirty, he says, "You know what? I think at the end of the day we're gonna hit fifty out of this too. And I think he's right easily.
0: Okay, well, let me do that right that means- now. So Paul, is he that guy? Okay, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. You keep saying, and, and it just hit me. Is he that guy who was like the gymnastic, for lack of a better word, clown? Like he would do like the yeah, and like that was no, him. Paul, oh, Paul. oh, now, okay, James
2: okay. Bart Conner's former coach. He owns International Gymnast Magazine, and you know. The- oh, okay, 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 okay.
3: Yeah.
1: My dumbass was like, yes, that's him. That's totally
2: him. <laughs> okay. There, well, we we have, there was one other story I'd like to share with you. Yes, please. please, go
0: ahead. Please, please, please.
2: Um, you know, when Diane auditioned for the 92 um, Summer Olympics closing ceremony, she auditioned in Chicago. And they said they would only take one dancer from Chicago to go to Barcelona. And so she said she auditioned. She told me, you know, Um, there was, she said, hundreds of people auditioning for this one spot. So she told me at the time, she goes, I kept thinking, you know, I got to do something to make myself stand out, otherwise I won't get picked. And so she was doing her dance routine and then um, she was wearing character shoes. And so to her, she said, so there was a table in front where the people, the judges or whatever, you know, the people that were going to pick the dancer from Chicago were seated and they were looking, you know, evaluating dancers. And so Diane decided to take off and do a tumbling, a double o- double full over their table. Oh and wow! She, now at this point she was 24 years old, and she had not competed, you know, for seven years competitively. Um, but you know, obviously she was still in you know great athletic shape, um, and she did the double over the table, stuck the landing. And she said the whole room just got silent, and, <laughs> and there were still people that had to go. Um, and, but everybody kind of knew who, what was going to be the end result. And it was, she was picked as the dancer from Chicago to go to Barcelona. <laughs> and fast forward a few years later, her and I are out to dinner one night in Chicago, and we're waiting to, for our table, for them to seat us. And Diana was wearing a Cirque du Soleil jacket, because, you know, she loved to see the Cirque shows whenever we came, the, the shows would come through Chicago, we'd see them, uh, we saw a couple of the shows in Vegas as well. And so we're sitting there and some, a woman comes up and approaches us and says to Diane, she goes, are you in Cirque du Soleil? And and Diane's like, no, she goes, I just got, we went to the show and I got the jacket and she goes, well, are you a dancer? And she goes, well, you know, I was a gymnast, but yes, I went, I did do some professional dance. And so they talk back and forth about what shows they have been in, you know, and Diane rattled off, you know, some of the shows she'd been in. And then she said, and she says, and also the 1992 closing ceremonies of the barcelona olympics mm-hmm. the woman at that point her eyes got wide open and her mouth practically hit the floor and she said she turns around and says uh, you're her aren't you and diane's, <laughs> kind of, and diane's like you know her and she goes you're the person that did the double fold over the table and stuck the <laughs> and, and diane kind of was like you know embarrassed He's like well yeah i and she goes you do not realize how big you are in the in the chicago dance community you're an urban legend for what for
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a nice story. That is a a we'll beautiful, beautiful story.
1: We have yeah. donated a hundred dollars to the campaign. Thank you. Yay. Appreciate that. So, Appreciate
0: yeah. that.
1: Any final? Well, thoughts? like anything you want to just.
0: I got a question yeah. before we we hit the final thoughts. How did okay. Diane feel? Because you just said the nineteen ninety two Barcelona team, right? And she didn't get to go to the 1984 Olympic Games as herself. But she got to see two black girls on the 1992 Olympic team. And for her, that's her legacy. Betty Aquino, right. Dominique Dawes, the 1992 Olympic team, that's her legacy. How did that make her feel? Well, and
2: actually, is it, her and Betty Okino um, developed a friendship because Betty Okino
0: and Di- train with Bella too.
1: Oh no! Oh gosh! Oh no! Time
0: to come about for one more story. You can go one more story. No, we lost him.
1: Oh, there he is! There he is.
2: Okay. okay. <laughs>
3: oh, there you go. Okay,
2: cool. Yep, we're back. Yes, we're last, back. last
3: time. So for her,
2: last time. Yeah, no, no problems. It's understandable, but her and Betty. Oh no!
0: Every time he said Betty Okito, it I mean,
2: happens. <laughs> I mean, look, everything. <laughs> Um, Her and Betty O'Kino, actually, Betty was from Illinois originally, and so a lot of things were, so Diane and Betty O'Kino developed, and they performed in some um, professional shows together, so they actually, you know, had developed a friendship post Betty. and Betty trained with Bella Caroli as well, Mm -hmm. so, and Betty sent a very nice video um, that we showed at Diane's Celebration of Life as well, kind of touching on that, and she said, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things you look at is, you always talk about the first to do something the first gold medal winner for a black a- athlete or any type of athlete and she says that history always looks at the first but she says history le- needs to look at who opened the door for the first
0: absolutely
2: and she said that was diane so she's always felt that that would be you know and some after i saw a lot of tributes to um diane afterwards where it said like you know you know diane opened the door so gabby and betty um, Betty Okino and Betty Aquino and Dominique Dawes could walk through it. Mm-hmm. So that way, Simone, um, Gabby Douglas could run through it and Simone Biles mm-hmm. could fly through it.
0: Absolutely.
2: That's kind absolutely. of a, and that really looks, if you sum it up, that's what she did.
0: Yeah. It is absolutely what she did. And I just, from, from me, from a gymnastics fan, Tom, I promise you, you're not on this journey alone as long as I have breath in my body, her story will be told. You have another ally. She will always be remembered. As long as I am alive, she will always be remembered in this sport.
2: I appreciate that. And I know we are working on a book. Diane was working on writing a book prior to her passing. And so we are getting that. Um, Don Emmons is the writer, and we're and he's working on, you know, he's interviewed a lot of people, and he, now he's kind of putting it all together and the okay. hope is by next year we can kind of get that out and shop it out to publishers and get the thing out there for people to hear Diane's story. Because she had done a lot of interviews with him prior to that. And oh okay and, and then we've done a lot of supplemental stuff with, you know, her peers at the time as well. So it's it's worked out great. I think it's gonna be you know, a lot of the people from that era of gymnastics have all been interviewed. So I think it's gonna be huge when it, we can uh-huh. get everything together.
1: Okay, that and comment
0: I hope this makes you feel better. Like three people in our comment session said they just donated to the award, also. Oh, so I, thank you.
2: That is wonderful. That's I appreciate that.
0: Oh that is so wonderful. It makes Any final sense. thoughts before I bust out in tears? Any final no. thoughts? I'm already crying. I'm already crying.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, uh, no, thank you. I, I I thank you for having me, giving me the platform to come on here and talk about Diane. I'm glad we can share some stories about her. I think that's important, and um, you know I appreciate this. I, I'd love if you, anytime you ever want to talk a little bit about Diane, I definitely would come back. Um, oh, okay. It, it's an it's you know I guess that's one of the things is you know that for me it's in you know it's to honor her legacy for the rest of my life.
1: Oh. I can't. No final thoughts, because I'm just going to cry.
2: Oh. And so doing doing shows like this, that is, it's helpful for me, but it also helps me honor her legacy too.
0: And can I ask you, would you be open to doing other interviews with other gymnastics platforms? Of course. Okay. Perfect. So y'all hear that. So you guys can contact him. He'll be willing to do interviews. You know, so just be just be kind to him. Just be kind. But thank him. you. Thank you so much, Tom. This means thank you world. so much, Tom.
2: No, thank you. And as like you said,
1: I Oh no, we lost him for the last
3: time.
2: <laughs> oh.
1: I think we lost him. Michaela, it's late there, right? It's like eleven?
0: Yes, after eleven.
1: Oh. I think we lost him.
0: I think we lost him, too. But do you want to uh, end the show here?
1: Yeah. Um, want- y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this was, I mean, I cried almost the entire time. So I was covering my mouth and whatnot because I quiver, my lip quivers when I'm crying. So, yeah, no, uh, thank you so much. Thank you to you guys. That. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he is. Yay! Come came back. Yeah.
3: Okay. <laughs> Yay!
2: No, thank it's a wonderful interview and I love it. You guys have done a remarkable job. You did a lot of research and things and I'm so glad we were able to tell, talk about Diana tonight. Oh well absolutely.
0: again absolutely and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. You could have talked to anybody but you chose to talk to us and we we really appreciate it. It
2: is a privilege.
0: It's a privilege. Oh, absolutely
2: talking to you guys too. I appreciate everything.
0: Thank you very much. Thank right, well, you, Tom. We're going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening.
3: <laughs> uh, you Bye. too. Take Bye, care. Bro. Bye. Bye. Bye Tom.
1: All right, y'all. Like, comment, subscribe. Do all the things. Do all the social media things. Share it. Propagate it. Do your thing. Jim on Um, This isn't about us. It's about Diane. You know, so,
0: yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to do it because we do this every time we have our interview and we have to pray homage to the great Diane Durham we've learned a lot of stuff about her life and especially about the goings on in 1984 um basically we learned it Diane felt we nobody has 100% proof but what we believe in the gymnastics community is what happened. we're not wrong for believing what we believe happened in 1984 basically
1: so yeah, um that's that on that. <sighs>
0: As a young black girl who had a dream about this gymnastics thing and being a podcaster and a blogger, this was a check. Say what you, don't say what you want to about me on the jump because tomorrow you might get the venom. But tonight, it's all up. It's all up. Peace, love, and blessings, everybody. Donate to the – I'm going to post the link on my Twitter, and I'll post it on the show's Twitter so everybody can get to die, donate in. And, hey, Cassie Johnson Clark, hit She's your girl up. Life. You know, we make moves. So if, if, if you guys want to create an annual award to give out at the end of National Championships, Diane Durham Awards, hit your I'm girl here. up. We make moves around here. Yes. All right, y'all. Thanks. Love you so much. See you guys in the next one. Um, oh, and we'll finish the um 03 Worlds another time. And we'll finish my time.
1: top 10 some other time. Some
0: another time. time. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye, you guys.